to the J. Kim Show, Hong Kong's first dedicated podcast on investing in Asia. Join us as we survey the land and discover the greatest companies and most profitable investment opportunities in Asia. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insights to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. This week's show guest is Henek Lowe, founder and CEO of Hype. Hype is a group of venture builders who help startups directly in their expansion into Asia. The company leverages its local market expertise, operations networks, and experience to assist growth stage companies with their global expansion. Henek used to be the GM of WeWork and Airbnb out here in Asia. And after struggling to find the right strategy and partners to aid in the respective company's expansions, he realized the potential he had to start his own company called Hype. Hey, Henrik, how are you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, so I'm pretty excited to, to have you on and uh, to talk about your latest venture and your exciting new company. And, uh, you know, I, uh, after we sort of met uh, not too long ago and, and caught up and, and chatted about what you're doing, I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to, um, to get you on. And, uh, and I think it's, a, it's quite a unique uh, sort of business that you're, you're running. So thank you. Uh, I'm excited to dive in and, uh, and let our audience uh, hear what you're up to. But uh, before we do that, why don't you just give us a little bit of background on yourself, uh, you know, kind of, you know, what, where you're from and, and, and sort of uh, maybe some industry background or, or uh, work experience and that sort of stuff. Sure, sounds good, man. Uh, well, my name is Henik. Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Hype, uh, the first venture builder of its kind in the region. Um, and you know, I was originally born and raised in Hong Kong. Um, and like most people that that, that entered the industry like ten plus years ago, um, I, I started my career in finance uh, in, in a company actually called Bear Stearns. Uh, and actually, fun fact to 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 Jay Kim's audience, uh, Jay and I used to work on the same trading floor for a while. <laughs> Uh, That's right. Yeah, but uh, the only the only difference is I think Jay caught the, the couple of the good years and, and, and the year I went in was when Bear went down. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, from, from that experience, actually, you know, uh, jokes aside, it, it definitely set a little bit of how I looked at my own career, how I wanted to develop professionally. Um, you know, Hong Kong is a very expensive city. So even just thinking about startups back in 2000, let's say eight, nine, around 10, around the area, um, you know, it was quite difficult. So there was not too many opportunities. Um, so in 2011, actually, um, one of my, uh, two of my good friends um, uh, were, was telling me about Airbnb. Um, this, you know, Brian Chesky came to Hong Kong in 2011 for a startup weekend. Um, you know, they were close to the unicorn status, uh, but by all means, they were already a very large startup from the U.S., but no presence, no, not much brand awareness in, in Asia. Uh, and I think through that event, they, they mentioned to me that, hey, they're, they're looking to come to Asia. And, and I was like kind of stalking and following the company for a while. And, you know, finally, mm-hmm. uh, when I saw an opportunity and opening, I put my hand up and um, 18 rounds later, uh, I became the, <laughs> the, first, the first employee they had in Asia and as their head of sales, actually. Um, so, wow. so this was 2012. Um, you know, four years later, I did many roles in the company. Um, you know, in particular, we we opened the Asia Hub for them in Singapore. I lived there for a year and a half. Uh, we went on to opening the Korea and Japan office, and finally, in two thousand uh, late two thousand thirteen, uh, the company was thinking about entering China. Um, so finally, um, I, I moved myself to Beijing, uh, and uh, we launched the landing operations in, in China. 
uh, for Airbnb. And finally, mm-hmm. in 2015, after two years of like hustling and just like, really trying to get the product off the ground, um, you know, I, I think we did pretty well. You know, we raised Series E at the time in 2015, mid 2015, from Asia investors and China investors uh, at 25 and a half billion. Um, and um, you know, actually, shortly after that. Um, you know, mixture of personal reasons, and I wanted to come back to Hong Kong as well. Um, mm-hmm. There was another company, high growth company called WeWork, that was expanding to 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 Asia at the time. So I I joined again as their landing team, um, uh, kind of doing it one more time. Um, launched uh, three countries to them as their Asia GM, excluding China, um, and we opened up Hong Kong, Seoul, as well as Sydney. Um, and yeah, that, that, that really was the last six years of my life, uh, as, as, you know, when going through different ventures, uh, and helping them expand in Asia. And finally in early 2017, actually just, I think just around when the, when, when the J Kim show started, cause, um, yeah. I remember when, uh, when I was just starting, uh, that was the first, uh, one of the first uh, podcasts that went online. And I remember thinking that it was pretty cool that there's a show like that coming out of Hong Kong. And, and later I realized that you're- I was trying to get you on when you were still at WeWork. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I think I was just leaving at the time as well. So the, the timing didn't work out so well. Uh, but thanks for having me back on again, man. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. With, with, um, with all that said, you know, I, 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 I am now where I am with hype. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're gonna get we're gonna get into um, into hype. Uh, but just dialing back a little bit. Um, so thanks, thanks for for the sharing the background. And I, I do, uh, I have fond memories of of sitting on that that trading desk with you. Uh, I think you were just a few seats down. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But you know, I just want to touch on something that you said. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that that time after bear sort of went down and the financial crisis came and hit you know i mean it was very difficult for a lot of people that were you know like you said hong kong is a very expensive city uh and at the time you know wall street was like you know the it was like the mecca of 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 earning money and uh, particularly in in asia there was not really a lot of early stage companies or startups that that were planted here yet and so i think that a lot of people that were sort of in finance they didn't really think outside the box you know i mean after bear went down it was kind of like okay so now which other company am i going to join that is going to pay me a big salary <laughs> to sit on a desk and and virtually do nothing all day um and so so uh i think that's what you know a lot of people were kind of stuck in this mindset um and so when i heard uh you know later on when i heard that you had, you had joined airbnb i was i was pretty uh intrigued and i was also impressed because to basically walk, it, it takes a lot to sort of walk away from, you know, that steady paycheck, high paycheck, uh, and and really break away from the norm. Um, because I think Hong Kong is a, being a financial hub, it's very, very sort of Wall Street finance um, centric. Yeah. And so you don't really hear about a lot of people doing, especially back then, I think it's a lot better now, but back then people just branching out and taking a leap of faith and maybe joining a, a startup. Uh, although, you know, I mean, obviously Airbnb was pretty much a household name by then. So yeah. um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it was a pretty good move for you. And I think that uh, having been able to, to see both sides and, and also join a couple quite large uh, later stage startups, I'm sure has helped you uh, progress and kind of form the type of company that you want to start for yourself. Definitely, man. One note on the, the Airbnb topic that you mentioned just now, though, I, I think that's, you know, also interesting to mention, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, they were, you know, just getting unicorn status and, you know, being a really great startup. But I just want to say, you know, because when I went to Airbnb, I was taking a pretty large pay cut anyway, you know, compared, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 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 trading pays well. Uh, but at the same time, um, 
it, it wasn't the company and evaluation that really got me. Uh, it was like, you know, even though there were a lot of interviews that we had to do, I, I had to do, sorry. Um, the, the, the people uh, really did inspire me a lot in the process, right? You know, these are very passionate people out there to solve a pretty tough uh, problem, you know, how to actually get people to open the doors to welcome guests. Um, so that out of everything really kind of shown me a little bit about what, what, what it can be like outside of finance per se, um, and surrounding you with people that are passionate, very energetic and really want to start something. And I think that just really was very infectious in a way. And it really got me to, uh, ignore the fact that I took a very large pay cut, um, right. and, and worked towards something as a common goal. And that, that was very uh, satisfying. Yeah. It, you, that's a that's a great point, actually, because um, after the financial crisis, I continued on working sort of at, at uh, you know, I did a startup brokerage and then mm-hmm. and then I worked at, uh, you know, a larger broker after that, uh, still doing the same thing. But I, I definitely noticed exactly what we were talking about, um, because I that was sort of when I started getting interested in early stage investing personally. And I started, you know, just kind of using my own money and, and and dabbling and trying to learn and going to conferences in Silicon Valley and TechCrunch and this sort of thing. But the one thing that always stood out for me is exactly what you said, is that the sort of mindset of people that were working in the startup, uh, early stage investing or startup ecosystem, completely different than what I had experienced at Wall Street. You know, Wall Street was basically driven by just money <laughs> and, uh, and how to make more of it or how to, how to make your company more profitable. So in turn, you could get a, a earn a bigger bonus at the end of the year right, right. versus the you know, very different sort of working together, having that inspiration to build something great, mm-hmm. which is what attracted me initially um, to Silicon Valley and that sort of thing. So, um, so wow. So you said you had like, a, like a lot of interviews there. It sounds like a, like Goldman Sachs interview process. <laughs> Actually, it was more than any interviews I did for finance. And just, to, <laughs> just to echo off a little bit of what you said as well. Uh, you know, I was definitely the first uh, banker they had hired at the time, I guess. Right. So they really, really had to make sure I was the right guy. <laughs> right. Um, right. And actually, the last interview, they even flew me out uh, to San Francisco for less than 12 hours just to meet the founder wow. at the time. And, uh, you know, these were very early days. So Airbnb was only 200 plus people at the time. Now it's a, a 3,000, I think, close to 4,000 people company. Um, but, you know, that was probably the reason why they interviewed me so much. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, I think that that's uh, that's that's something that you'll you, you get to own on your your resume or <laughs> list of experiences to be the, the first uh, pioneer sort of employee out here. So that's awesome. It's very lucky. Yeah, it's very lucky. It was, you've, you've drawn off of your experiences at some of these late stage, uh, obviously huge companies now. But, um, you know, I, I think that's why don't, why don't you talk, talk us through just give us a brief intro of what sure. what hype is and then and maybe you can give us some color on based on your experiences of these companies trying to expand into Asia, how that helped you really sort of formula form the, the business model that you're, that you're running now. Sure, man. Um, so, you know, when, when I say that we're the first venture builder of its kind uh, in the region, uh, we, we specifically help uh, startups build and expand in Asia operationally. Um, and so, you know, just a little bit about the co-founders, uh, you know, all three of us are actually Airbnb alumni. Um, You know, my uh, two co-founders, Patrick and Rob, Patrick was uh, the GM for Korea, uh, launching uh, Korea together with us back in when we first started. Um, Rob was the head of ops for for Beijing, uh, the China office of Airbnb. Um, So we worked all very closely together between 2012 all the way to 16 when when Airbnb was doing the expansion uh, at the time. So we had extensive experience, you know, operating with each other, you know, strategizing with each other. 
And actually, previous to to Airbnb, Patrick also launched Google uh, in in Korea. Oh, wow. And as as I mentioned just now, um, you know, after Airbnb, I went to WeWork. So. One of the commonalities from all three of these companies, um, be it their hyper growth, very fast growing companies, very well funded, is that all three of them for us in Asia was starting from scratch. Like we were, we were the first people, first first people on the team. Uh, we were basically trying to formulating strategy all the way building from two man teams, then later all the way down to thirty, and now the Asia hub and Airbnb, for example, is like four hundred. So. What we realized is that from the eight plus years of experience of expanding, we we saw obviously the great growth of these companies, but more importantly, the challenges that came with it. Mm. So we took that know how, and then we we wanted to make it uh, make it our mission, you know, to help startups execute well because. We think that there's actually a lot of brilliant ideas. Uh, you alluded to it a little bit. You know, back then it was like very uh, not so much talked about for for the startup world. But now, you know, the ecosystem is quite mature. There's a, mm-hmm. there's, a there's, there's more funding around. There's more venture capital. There's more accelerator programs. Uh, the government is really getting on it on trying to support the environment as well. You know, various governments in Asia, but a lot of them don't get out of pre A or Series A. Uh, loosely kind of let's just say series b there's a b gap right you know there a lot of people don't expand out of their home country um so when we when we saw that we we saw obviously a business opportunity to be able to help these companies push past that 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 benchmark because once you're through that uh, you become a regional company i i think uh the investor attention then becomes more regional and even global um, and later, that actually really helps you become a mature company because now with technology and the, the penetration of tech in most platforms, you, you, you already can't develop a product only for, let's say, Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't develop a product only for Singapore, even wider Southeast Asia. Uh, and, and dare I say, even China and India, these large powerhouses of domestic uh, uh, startups need to be a little bit more international in mindset already. So. Right. Um, when the three of us very lucky to get my co-founders to start this together with me, and uh, we we closed our own uh, one million seed round in Q4 last year. Oh, cool. um, you know, people are are interested in the idea and what kind of companies we can build. Uh, in six months since then, uh, we've worked with uh, more than seven startups by now in, in different capacities. Uh, a few of them to to mention is like we we helped Carousel land in Hong Kong. We built out a team here, operated a team, and finally hired a GM for them. Uh, Snapass, which is an on-demand touring company, is going from um, uh, Hong Kong to Korea. Um, And lastly, one pretty interesting one uh, recently, which is a California startup called Beanest. That is one of the companies that raised a successful ICO. Oh, um, okay. that, that's exploring, you know, Asia, you know, so, uh, we're, you know, being a, being in hype gives us the, the freedom to work with all these different companies and also allows us to use our know-how and experience from before to really operate and, and help create growth, uh, and help them expand. So, you know, that's, you know, in general, in a nutshell, what, what hype is. Um, and I think your second question is like, how, how do we came with the idea? Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, I think the idea really stemmed from, one main thing, which is Asia is just very complex. Um, if you look at, you know, the three main regions, U.S., Europe, and Asia, um, really uh, in the U.S., if you're a Californian startup, right, you can you can expand to middle America, you can expand to the East Coast, and you have a large population you can tap on with single language, more or less the same culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the digital uh, channels and uh, growth and acquisitions channels are, are more or less the same. You know, the, the, the platforms are Facebook and Google and so on and so forth, right? Uh, Europe, a little bit more fragmented, but, you know, 
most of it will work. And again, the digital platforms remain the same. Right. Um, but you move to, to Asia as a region, you know, um, China goes without saying everything is a parallel universe there, right? Um, the Googles and Facebook no longer penetrate. The way you do mm -hmm. business development no longer penetrate. Uh, culturally speaking, Southeast Asia, you have 10 plus different you know, markets, different language, different ways of doing business. Um, and then, you know, um, India, which I, I don't have as much experience in, but, you know, it, it is similar in a sense that it's a large domestic market, but also very hard to tap into because of the way that business is done there. So all these things put together, we notice a couple of gaps, I think. Uh, I think the first gap is that in the ecosystem in, in Asia, it's matured a lot. Investors have matured a lot. There's a lot more great startups coming in. And, and not to even mention just now, I mentioned ICO is coming in to kind of fuel the ecosystem right. a whole different way. So funding is not really the main issue anymore, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that it is really the know-how of, of expanding and how do you get the company from the A to the B and all the way to like Series E or F and finally to an exit. That is important because different stage of the companies requires different ways of working with it. Right. Um, you know, you can't apply the way you do corporate into uh, a startup because that would just basically suffocate the startup and the other way around. So you have to always adapt and always change. Mm -hmm. um, I think the second thing is also there's not too many success cases of somebody completely being to expand in all of Asia, right? Um, you know, but with the we've, heard the, we've heard the failures, that's for sure. <laughs> Correct, man. Uh, I mean, you know, recently there there has been some news, and uh, but I yeah. think I think, but more importantly, is like you know, it almost seems like post the corporate, like the large investment banks and consultants or what, which is pretty much plastered all over Asia, and you compare to the startups, they're having a difficult time. So you know, uh, one one interesting fact is actually you know a lot of the people from Hype, and we'll talk a little bit more about Team's background later as well is we, we actually have been on the corporate side as well. Mm -hmm. So we see what it takes to kind of move the companies and startups that we work with to a more mature or even not today, but planning for that down the future, right? I think that's, right. that's very important. Um, and the last thing is startups expanding uh, in Asia, uh, US to, to Asia, Europe to Asia, or even the other way around, all have one common problem. Actually, you can be the best startup that you can be in the U.S., but you come to Asia, nobody's had heard of you. <laughs> so they have a difficult time in recruiting. Um, and so one thing that we saw is during the first year of, of landing, most of these amazing startups actually have a difficult time. So what we saw as, as our opportunity is that we can, work, we can be the proven operators uh, for the startup as their partners, helping them build a new market and, and kind of... Um, you know, the way I always say it is like tune the car up and then like ha hand it back to them with, with, a, with a race ready car. Um, and, and that way it can really help them land and operate successfully. Um, so, you know, um, what we do today is we, we, we do what we call build, operate and transfer or, or short for BOT, where we build companies, um, we build the strategy, we operate the team. And finally, we hire a local market lead and transfer it back uh, to the company. And, and that, that in general is, is why we started a company. So, so this is pretty fascinating because I think ever since I Asia was on my radar, which was you know I first moved to back back in the day when I was still uh, at an investment bank. I worked I worked in Japan for a year back in two thousand two thousand three. I was just over here on assignment, and uh, it was kind of when I first got interested in Asia. But the one thing that I noticed is that 
uh, the entire spectrum, and th- I'm not even talking startups, I'm talking large corporates, multinationals, mm-hmm. um, they've all had the same sort of challenges. And for most of them, and you know this because you used to work uh, in the business, yep. uh, Asia is a, is a cost center. Like they don't actually uh, <laughs> turn a profit. And it's a lot of time, it's just sort of a global footprint type branding exercise <laughs> right, for these, correct. you know? Yep. And so even more challenging, I would think, is, is uh, you know, a, a startup or a private company trying to do the same thing. Uh, you mentioned uh, that very, you know, nuanced sort of uh, silos within Asia, even within China itself, you know, every region I feel is different and every city, you know, first tier, second tier, they all have their own uh, very nuanced uh, ways of doing business. So I think it's extremely difficult for a startup or, or any company for that matter to, to expand. So, um, so the question, so, okay, obviously there's a, there's a huge sort of uh, pain point that you're, you're helping through hype, which is, which is awesome. And I think that um, given your, your guys experience uh, directly doing that, um, you know, you, you guys have all, you know, you have the, the knowledge to be able to guide the startup. So let's say, uh, let's just walk through an example for, for instance, sure. let's say I'm a, um, I'm a startup uh, thinking about global expansion. Now, is there, is there a sort of a minimum uh, sort of valuation or, or metric that you look that if a startup came to you and, and, and they were like, oh, we want to use your service, you would look for these metrics before you would suggest, okay, I think now it's t- the time is right to expand into Asia. Yeah, um, uh, we thought about this problem a lot when we first started. Um, and one thing we, we wanted to be sure of is to be uh, nimble and adaptive enough to be able to work with different stages. Um, but, you know, you pointed out one really good point just now, which is we had a lot of experience working uh, with uh, uh, later stage uh, companies that were be able to ma- raise, you know, massive amount of rounds uh, to, to be able to come to Asia. But more importantly, um, when we first started Hype, we, we, we actually consciously uh, wanted to work with earlier startups, right? You know, a carousel by no means is a small startup, but it was still earlier in, in their Series B uh, Snapass is in his uh, pre-A, I, I believe, and 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 this is this is why we chose to to build more experience working with these companies. That, that's the first thing. Uh, second thing is, uh, you know, we we formulate three services that we we have for different startups. Uh, one's called Dip, short for Dipstick. Sorry, mm-hmm. very American term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you know, you check, you use the Dipstick to check if this engine oil is still good in your car. Um, the car analogy, yeah, I like yeah, it. I like yeah, it. yeah. I was an engineer in school, so you can <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> um, the second way is what I mentioned just now, called a bot, be a built operate transfer. Um, and to mention, it, it, with Dip, we only take a fee, uh, and with bots, we take uh, fees and, and equity. So, what's the difference between the two? Um, I would say that Dips are really made for uh, more further away startups at US Europe, where they really have no idea about Asia. Um, mm-hmm. It just seems to be one massive region for them, and they don't know what it means for their company just yet, and they haven't planned it in the roadmap. Uh, or they're they're looking; they've tapped out of their market share in whatever region they're in, and they're looking for growth in Asia, and they wanted to see how to land, right? And and one thing uh, that a lot of these companies do, and, and as they should, you know, they will look at Asia and be like, okay, let's go to Hong Kong and Singapore because they speak English, is very international. Um, but the way that we thought about it is like, look, you know, that, that's great. But at the same time, it may not be the best place uh, for you to grow your company. Uh, there might be places in Southeast Asia that would be way more fitting. 
um, or even, you know, dare I say China or India, right, for example. Um, But, you know, I don't necessarily recommend going into those places first, but, you know, I think it's a good way to be educated about it. And we hand you over a paper report. Uh, We have many different interviews as well as, you know, kind of meetings with them to kind of educate them on the topic. Uh, Secondly, build, operate, transfer. This is where it becomes very hands-on. So as the name suggests, we go in and build the strategy. Uh, we, we communicate with the HQ team, uh, whatever startup we're working with, and be like, hey, you know, these are the plans that we need to, to go and execute this expansion. Uh, this is the number of headcounts we need to hire. This is how much budget we need. This is how, mm. much, how much time. Uh, and mo- most, most importantly is we, we will agree on some form of metric, right? Um, uh, one, one thing I always say is like, look, we, we can come in and do this business, but we want to have skin in the game, right? Um, so meaning that the better we do, the better compensated we are. But, you know, if we don't do as well, obviously we don't get compensated as well. Um, so so we, we go in and actually map these, uh, these different metrics uh, to, to our progress and what we committed it to do. Uh, and we review it on a quarterly basis. So th- this can take anywhere between... Um, uh, three to six months, uh, and the longest we have done is nine months for now, uh, which is Carousel actually. Wow. Um, and 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 dip just to just to supplement is more like anywhere from two to four weeks kind of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that you know we spend a lot of effort validating uh, this first bit uh, or hype 1.0 or you if you will um, mm-hmm. a business model. Uh, and and what we're working towards right now is like hype 2.0. Which is we recently realized that we're having a lot of conversations with uh, U.S. and Europe startups where they have not necessarily thought about Asia. But once we talked about it or, or actually told them certain ways they can do it, mm-hmm. they may need to raise a new round to do that right? because their funding right. are either locked in or they have communicated what their plans were, were for the current round. Um, so Hype ourselves, we actually want to first prove Hype 1.0 works and then raise an investment fund to actually be able to fund and facilitate for some of these expansions to happen. All right. Mm-hmm. So we're um, after doing our, our, our business right now and validating the core business, we're, we're actively looking to, to, to raise an investment fund to be done by 2018 um, so that in 2019, we can bring more amazing startups uh, to Asia. That's awesome. That's so it's it's literally that's like the whole that's the full spectrum there. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're looking to be end to end. But um, one thing I would say is, uh, you know, our time is, is the most valuable. So we also have to really pick the right ones in order for this to work well. Yeah, that's right. And I think that especially when you start getting into the, you know, is it is it the bot stage where you start taking equity in some of these companies as well as a Correct. fee? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that, that's directly, uh, I mean, you, with that skin in the game, uh, you, you, you need to make sure that you literally are partners with these companies that you're helping to build up. Correct. Not just taking them for the, uh, the, the commission dollars, if you will. <laughs> and, and one thing that's important is I, I think we have made ourselves accountable. So we don't just say we add value. We've made their success our success. I, I think that's very important because we really want to be seen as part of the team. Um, but I think most importantly is that um, once we go in and work with a startup, um, it, we actually learn so much more about them any more than a deck or, or, or a data set can ever do mm-hmm. uh, to, to other investors. Um, so what we want to be able to provide is, you know, from our knowledge of working with that company and working cross-functionally, how do we tell our LPs like, hey, this is a sure win? Um, and, and, and you need to get in on this company because of XYZ reasons. Um, and I think that's what we really are looking for because, again, we're core operators, not, not quote-unquote fund managers just yet, 
But at the same time, I think that's important uh, for the next couple of years to build great businesses as there's more and more venture capital pouring into the market. Uh, that will really be important to distinguish them. Right. So are there specific markets uh, within Asia that you have expertise in? I know you mentioned, I mean, you're obviously based here and you have some experience in China and you mentioned one of your partners was uh, focused in Korea. Are there are there your certain ones that you are, you know, you guys are, are better at uh, as far as penetration? Yeah, I mean, the three founders, again, I think Greater China, which is uh, China, Hong Kong and Taiwan. We have a lot of experience uh, because of our previous work. Uh, North Asia, which is you know Seoul and Japan, um, and just most recently we just opened our office in Singapore. So we have an office in Seoul, in Singapore, and Hong Kong, um, where another Airbnb alumni just joined us as well in, in Singapore. So right. um, we're 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 looking about you know uh, to be very fair, Southeast Asia is a huge region. Um, so it's more the developed markets I would say that we're good at Malaysia, Singapore, and and and, and Indonesia. Um, and and in the future, uh, I think the two other places that we really want to be in as well is to have an office in China as well as uh, potentially in Japan. Um, and I think that will really help us enable and cover Asia for now. So you know, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, you 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 call yourself a venture builder, and uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think that's uh, I I. I Personally, I'm not that familiar with that term. I mean, it, it's kind of intuitive what you guys do. Um, yeah. Are there other co- competitors, direct competitors to the services that you, you guys provide? Um, we, we do consider ourselves uh, first in the space um, in, in the region. But I, I think most importantly, it was the way that we started it, which is we first proved that we can provide value and work with different startups and, and actually help them expand. And then went back to kind of raising a fund to use that to, to support the, the, our main business. Um, so I, I would say that, you know, venture builders around the world uh, right now, there are, if you, if you even just Google venture builders, you will find some of them. Uh, but I will say that they, many, many have different ways of operating. I think one of the most famous venture builders in the world, which a lot of people should know on your show is, is Rocket Internet. Oh, right. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, their model is, you know, they, they find models that inspire them to kind of build their own and then they kind of expand into markets they're not in at a very high speed. Um, uh, and then, you know, they, 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 they either do mergers and acquisitions that way or compete with, you know, other foreign startups directly. Um, you know, we would like to say we're just trying to uh, achieve the opposite of that, which is when we see companies that are coming from U.S. to Europe, uh, instead of building anything to compete with them, we would just work with them directly um, and, and in, in, even in, invest into them in the future. So uh, that's that's the way that we, we, we see how our venture builder model is, is unique in, our, in, our, in ourselves. Yeah. From, the, from, the, from what it sounds like, I, I haven't really done sort of like a worked at a startup or, or anything like that. Um, but, you know, from from what I gather, you know, I mean, the, the way you guys are presenting uh, hype, uh, I think it's a very, it's much more amicable, so to speak, than let's say getting VC funding, uh, and then where they're either taking a board seat or or they basically have uh, a, a large ownership uh, percentage of your company, and then you kind of, you know, I think as a startup founder, you would kind of fear losing control, despite the fact that they may be a huge household VC name uh, that could provide you with a lot of non-financial resources or operational resources on the ground wherever you're trying to expand. There's always that fear, right? It's that that it's always that sort of unspoken battle between founder and and funder, if you will. Yeah. So I think the way that you guys are rolling it out, it, it seems a bit much more amicable. Uh, if I were like a you know a startup founder, I would definitely consider doing something like this. You can start you know 
know, sort of with the with the dip analysis and 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 do sort of a, a light version of, of 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 your service, and then if if things progress, then you can go on to the next step and and commit a little bit more. So, and uh, one one thing to respond to your comment is is I think funder and startups and and VCs like the the. These terms will always go hand in hand, right? There, there, there's just no way that it, it, it wouldn't in, in any in the foreseeable future, I would say. However, um, I we care a lot about culture, which is how we work with them as well kind of matters. So, you know, through a couple of meetings or, you know, investment calls, it's, it's, it's often quite hard to, to, to develop that relationship uh, with mm-hmm. the startup. So we see ourselves as, you know, we want to be long-term in providing value um, you know, for, for some of the startups that we worked with, you know, we will grow one market and then, you know, the, the conversation to pivot to, oh, you know, we've done it, but now we know how to do it. Um, can we help you go to even newer, newer uh, other markets that you've not thought about before um, uh, to, to add more value, right? That, that's, that's one of the things that we're looking to do. Um, but it, it, for the VC uh, flow itself, you know, I actually see ourselves also very complementary to that, which is if they ever have a, a portfolio company that they need to, uh, have good operational excellence behind, and and we will absolutely try to work with them as well uh, to bring them bring that to life. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds like a sort of a perfect uh, a marriage. You know, as as a as company is is expanding and growing. Let's let's look sort of five ten years. I'm just interested to hear. You know, as someone that's been in the space and 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 in the region for for quite some time, what sort of trends do you foresee uh, in in sort of the sort of just startup trends or even funding trends? Uh, and, uh, sort of companies' expansion into Asia, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Asia, China, and, and Southeast Asia is on on everyone's radar. Whether you're an investor or if you're you know a startup founder or looking for for global growth, yep. uh, how do you see uh, the trends uh, changing or, or or forming in the next sort of five years? Say, uh, I, th- I think definitely changing. Um, you know, I, I was just back in Beijing last week, uh, just meeting some folks, talking to different startups. Um, I think the, the, the one of the things that kind of really surprised me the most is that China startups are now have started to expand out of China. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, previously where the domestic market is already enough, uh, I feel like China startups now have a more of a regional mindset. And I think in the future, more international even. Um, you know, you see that with the recent wave of, of bike sharing companies that are coming out that's of China. Right. That, that's one. Um, but Another thing that I think really, really surprised me in particular are companies like Musical.ly, Live.me, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which are extremely popular with American teens, are actually a completely China dev product. <laughs> right. So, so th- this, this really, um, if you ask the average user that's using both of these companies right now, I don't think any one of them can tell. They wouldn't know. No way. Um, but but the, the interesting thing is like if you, if you bring a, a China, made in China product, they have a different way of viewing it as well, right? So I think that's that's something that really kind of uh, 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 showed me that the the expansion now has become actually more into Asia as well, uh, mm-hmm. where previously only other large uh, foreign Western uh, startups are thinking about coming to Asia. So I think that's changing. Lastly, mm-hmm. is um, we we talked about this a few times, but VC funding is becoming very abundant. So I think. The need for startups to expand um, uh, earlier is actually very important now. And another thing, which is the product that they build from the get-go needs to be able to adapt to many different uh, regions and cultures. Like, you know, with the engineers and product guys, 
it's hard for you to build a product for one market and all mm -hmm. of a sudden switch everything because that's just not how the framework works. Um, so you need to plan ahead really even when starting a company. Um, and I think the last one is, uh, uh, I think this is really just on everybody's mind you know, in 2018. If there's one word, it, it is blockchain. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and uh, you know, for, for, good, for better or worse, um, you know, I think ICOs, uh, there's a lot of things happening there, right? There's a lot of good and a lot of bad, but I guess, you know, from, from outside, mostly bad at the moment. Right. But, you know, the way I see it is when there's a lot of bad things happening, but there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of room for opportunity. That's right. Meaning, meaning that that will normalize as it gets regulated. Um, that will also change a lot of dynamics between how startups get funding, right? Some of these, you know, quote unquote seeds from white papers are swimming in the range of five to 10 million, right? These are way larger than any seed rounds that's been done before. Right. Um, so I'm quite interested to see how that space unfolds as well. Yeah, I'm actually super interested in that as well because you know I've I personally know a, a handful of startups that have basically put their regular quote unquote regular fundraising on hold and have done I'm pursuing an ICO just because it's uh, apparently much easier to do it that way. But how that actually ends up playing in their favor or or maybe to their detriment in the long run, uh, it, we, only time will tell, I suppose. Hype specifically this year, 2018. You know, you mentioned you you've, you're working with or have worked with. Was it nine companies now? Yeah, um, seven, seven, around seven, seven, yeah. seven companies. So, what what uh, what are your immediate goals that you're looking out for for 2018 for your company? What are you particularly excited about? Uh, I think first thing is just keep things simple in terms of our goals and really focus. So for us really to, to seal in the value proposition that we have for, for the startups. So, you know, just like Carousel coming to Hong Kong, mm -hmm. it, it is now their fastest market within the company. Very happy about that. Uh, Snapbass are able to land in, in Korea because of us kind of working with them together, uh, hand in hand. Um, so we're, we're doing another two more and we can announce it in due time. But one's a U.S. company that's that's an events platform that's coming to Hong Kong to set up their Hong Kong Asia Hub. Okay. Uh, another is actually a Korean startup that we're bringing to Hong Kong as well. So I would say that both of these conversations we got in uh, at the right time. And at the same time, it, it would it, we helped facilitate them coming to Hong Kong. So I think the second thing is like, I'm, I'm excited to be able to bring more startups, you know, being here, I, I will shamelessly rep Hong Kong a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and uh, more importantly, uh, lastly, as I mentioned just now, um, we really want to become end to end and full suite. So um, we're, we're looking to, to get that investment fund raised so that we can help more startups come to Asia, uh, really demystify this part of the world and, and you know, make, make hype uh, 2.0 come true. Yeah, that's awesome. Hype 2.0. I can't wait to uh, to see how that plays out. It's super exciting. It just makes perfect sense. Um, dude, Henrik, thanks so much for your time, man. It's It's been really good hearing about what you're working on. I just have two two final questions. Um, and I like to ask this of all sort of entrepreneurs and startup founders. The, the, se the second to the last one uh, is what um, advice would you give other than to call Hype right now and, and hire you, <laughs> what advice would you give to say a startup founder or a startup company that's say looking to expand into Asia? They're, they have it on the radar. They probably are, you know, are, are far enough along in their, in their funding that they can look at, at, at landing somewhere internationally. Mm -hmm. What's something off the cuff that you could tell them to do uh, as a piece of advice? You know, just in terms of uh, insight, um, kind of echoing off my point just now, um, as companies in Asia are expanding faster into region, I would say that for U.S. and Europe startups, they should definitely look to make a first mover uh, advantage to Asia as soon as possible. Um, I think you know these companies 
very soon will be expanding the other way around. So, you know, again, it needs to be innately regional and then gradually it needs to be global. Um, I, I think that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing, which is, I guess, for your audience who may be in Asia, um, the best time to start your company is now. <laughs> Funding <laughs> is available. Venture capitals are out there. They're looking for deals, um, you know, accelerators, government grants, all these things that when I joined uh, Airbnb in 2012, uh, people just kind of looked at me with a blank face and not, not really mm-hmm. knowing what I was doing is completely changed now in 2018. So um, obviously, you know, everyone's got to do them. So, you know, find what works for you and, you know, jump and, and, and go, go start a company. Right. Um, but last thing uh, I always like to say as well, um, startups aren't really made for so that you can raise your next round. Well, <laughs> you, you should be focusing on your users, 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 right. like no matter what, right. The experience, uh, that you get, you, you pretty much with the, the today's world and how many, downloads and ads pushes through, um, you've got to make sure you're still in that user experience. Um, And once you have that, uh, I think the product will will, will adapt itself to other markets and be able to to have legs. But at first, you know, make sure that the the users are happy in the whole market and then push from there. That's good. That's a great piece of advice, especially uh, piggybacking off that funding comment that you said earlier. You know, I mean, a lot of times people just get, they get, they they lose focus and, uh, and, and then the quality slips of their product or the service. And then that's just, that's a, that's not a good situation to be in where you're taking in more funds, but then you don't have the quality to support it. So um, final question is, is just simply, you know, where, where can people find you, follow you, connect with you? Uh, I don't know if you're on social or, or your, your website, we'll, we'll get that linked up, but um, where's the best place people can find you? Um, I, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, that's where uh, all, all my all my business information is. I'm pretty, I'm very responsive actually. Uh, and even on our website, you know, hypeasia.co.co. Um, so come check us out, um, drop us an email. And if you're thinking about Asia, you know, um, I, I definitely hope I'm in that conversation somehow. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Henrik, thanks so much again. Uh, always bringing the value over delivering. We really appreciate your time. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing uh, how, how hype grows because I think that you guys are on to something, uh, something pretty big here. So, um, awesome. so best of luck and we'll definitely uh, be, be following your progress. All right. Thank you, Jay. Thanks a lot. Take care. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The Jay Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. 
head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness. Yeah.